0: Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. This week we hear from Emily Hanson Curran as she preaches from the lectionary, which was Mark chapter 10, verses 2 to 16. As always, you can find more sermons or information about the church at allsoulsparish.org. Hope to see you around sometime. Do you remember... Uh, the first time that you really understood the grace of God? Like in your core, you got it. You felt it, and it changed your life. I do distinctly remember that moment. And I'm going to tell that story through this course of this passage, because this had a lot to do with what changed me. So it starts actually in Deuteronomy, Um, back in chapters 12 to 26 when God gives Moses these new commandments to give to the people. Uh, And what relates to our passage specifically is chapter 24 when God gives Moses um, some new commandments around divorce. Moses tells the people that uh, a man can divorce his wife, but he must give her a certificate of dismissal to allow her to, to, um, to allow her to remarry without being considered a harlot. Prior to that, she would not have been able to remarry. So this law was given to protect the vulnerable. So these Pharisees come, and they're in this thing, this battle on the, uh, with the law and, and divorce and marriage and remarriage. And so they come to Jesus, trying to trap him, saying, Uh, What what do they say? Uh, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And Jesus says, Well, what did Moses tell you? And they say, Well, Moses said you you could write the certificate of dismissal. And Jesus says, No, 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 no. That law wasn't written. That law was written because you had hard hearts. This law was written to protect women against the, the system that was at play that was hurting them. That's why this law was written. And then he does something even more. He goes on and says, but from the beginning, he goes back and says, let's go back to the original intent. Before all this marriage stuff came into being, what was this about? This is about companionship. Jesus says, God made them male and female. He's referencing Genesis, obviously. And he says, the intent of this law the intent of marriage, the intent of all of this was for companionship. We are made for each other. And then he says, you know, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and he does all this stuff that, um, this is where my own story comes into play. I use this text as a proof text to prove that homosexuality was not biblical. And this passage was used against me to say, homosexuality is not biblical. See right here. Jesus says, a man shall leave his, his, his father and mother and be joined to his wife. I don't think that's what Jesus is really talking about here. Jesus is, is, is uh, actually coming out of this, this squabble over the law and is, is taking it back to a much bigger thing and a much more radical thing than this, this nitty-grittiness of the law. So about 10 years ago, um, I was introduced to this book, Women, Slaves, and Homosexuals, um, and, I know. And at the time, actually, the, the person who gave it to me, uh, she said, she actually didn't give it to me. She, she said, there's this book, but you need to be careful with it because it's really radical. And I was, um, at the time, really wrestling with my own sexuality and what I, you know, all the, coming from a fundamentalist background, and so it took me a couple years, actually, to pick this book up because I was kind of frightened by what I might find. But I, I picked it up eventually, and um, what I discovered was this term called a redemptive movement hermeneutic, which is just to say it's a way of looking at Scripture and understanding Scripture that takes a look at the story uh, and, and focuses on the redemptive work that's happening. So... It's really clear in this passage to me then. What's happening is Jesus... Well, hold on before I go there. In the next two verses is where Jesus goes there. He says... Um, so they, they, they change scenes. They go back to the house, uh, to this like, after party. Um, the Pharisees have done their thing. They've done the big show. Jesus says this sort of ambiguous thing. He doesn't get embroiled in the law takes them back to this house, and the disciples say, "Um, all right, so now, like, what really happened? What do you really think is going on here? Which, as, like, an introverted thinker, that's, like, where I thrive. You know, when you go back to the house in the after party, and you can really ask the question that you wanted to ask that whole time, but was too afraid. And Jesus says, "Uh, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her, and if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. So What we see Jesus doing is raising women up to the same level as men. So Jesus is, is taking this law of Moses and expanding it even further into something that expands and includes more. And this is a really dangerous idea for me at the time, because if you, if you carry that out to its logical conclusion... For me, it was really easy then to say maybe Jesus cares about who I am as a woman and as a person who's struggling with the scriptures around what it means to my sexuality. And so this provided a, a sort of crack in the foundation for me. And it was the beginning part of what was jolting what was underneath the ground for me. But then the writer Mark has Jesus take it one step further um, because the next part is is extra interesting. He says uh, that people are bringing little children to Jesus and the disciples are are saying, you know, uh, what are they they doing? They're saying, they spoke, spoke sternly to them. How rude. I mean, speak to certain children. Uh, anyway, Jesus is indignant, and he says, um, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. There's two interesting things about this last turn. Is One, one we see an even greater expansion of who belongs in the kingdom of God. Um, Children who are typically without power are now on top as models for who should enter the kingdom of God. But then this language around whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child. So it's about how we receive the kingdom of God. And that's really interesting. Because... Jesus doesn't put like an age limit on this thing. He's not like, if you're zero to two and you receive the the kingdom of God like that, then you're in. And we all know that children have a wide range of um, personalities and and ways that they inhabit their humanity. But that's not... Jesus is, is, is broad strokes here, little children. So it's about how we receive the love of God the way a little child receives the love of a parent. They do it by simply being a child. They don't follow the rules. There's no rules to follow. There's nothing they can do or thing they can follow to make that true. It's about how they receive. And that's when things really broke open for me. And it happened for me at uh, my cousin's memorial where my dad was uh, like giving the homily, or whatever it's called. It was a graveside memorial, and it was about 20 of us there. And my cousin had a really hard life. She was born into parents of drug addicts and became a drug addict herself, and um, was in and on and off the streets since she was about 16. And my dad stood up there and said, I believe Lydia is in heaven right now with God because we do not serve a God who measures us by our deeds and our actions, but who measures us by the intent of our heart. And that's when that whole foundation just cracked in half. And I understood the grace of God in that moment so thoroughly and deeply. It was a freedom you can't unfeel. And you can't go back. When you, when, you, when you know that grace of God and you, you feel that and you, have, you understand that you're okay and that you're worthy enough to be present in the face of God, you can't go back to what was. Of course you can. It's a choice we make. And it was a choice in that moment that I decided to make. And I, I came out to myself in that moment and said, I know what this means for me, and I know what decision I need to make now. And it radically altered the rest of my life. And I think that's what the expansive, generous grace of God does it breaks us open, and it turns us into new people, and it generates more life, and it includes more people. And we become broken vessels. Do you remember when you first understood that grace of God? Have you experienced that life-altering, disruptive grace of God in Jesus? What decision did you make afterwards? How did it alter who you are and what you do? Did it make more of you? When has God stirred more life in you? So I say, let's let our lives be disrupted by this kind of grace and live out of these moments that generate more of us. Let's focus less on what is permissible in the law and more on what is possible.